This is the Firearms Trainers Podcast, Season 2, Episode 21, published on January 25th, 2022. I'm your host, Rob Beckman, and our topic today is situational awareness for teenagers. Our podcast is part of the ConcealedCarry.com network, brought to you by XS Sites, the best sites made in the USA. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearms Trainers Association. Visit their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage offer and their competitive pricing. Receive a special 10% off in your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is also brought to you by the team at Mountain Man Medical. Responsible fire instructors have trauma medical gear on the range and are trained to use it. Mountain Man Medical provides the highest quality name brand medical gear on the market at a guaranteed lowest price. Check out the Wind River Kit special design for firearm instructors to have at the range. The Yellowstone is perfect to have on your belt or in your bag anywhere you go. Learn more at mountainmanmedical.com and scroll to the bottom and click on available discounts to learn how firearm instructors can save 15% off the already guaranteed lowest prices on the market. And don't forget to click on the training link to take the emergency trauma response video course for free. Get the right gear and the right training at the best price anywhere on the mountainmanmedical.com. We bring this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Today, we're joined by author and entrepreneur Gary Quisenberry. Welcome, Gary. How are things going for you today? Oh, I'm doing well. Doing well. How about yourself? Uh, not bad at all. It's uh, The weather's turning cold, but we, today we had a fairly mild day, which uh, I'll take in the middle of winter having a few yeah. mild days. Yeah, it was the same here. So it's nice to be able to get outside without, you know, uh, freezing everything freezing, off, freezing to death, <laughs> or having to put on fifteen layers, you know, just to be comfortable. Yeah, you can't move when you got got fifteen layers on. That's for right. sure. Well, <laughs> hey, right. Gary, before we jump into today's topic, for anybody who hasn't listened to your other uh, two podcasts that we've done, can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, uh, you know, I'm I'm a retired federal air marshal. I started my career off in the military. I did a few years in the army. I'm a veteran of Operation Desert Storm. When I started working for the government, I started off in the uh, Bureau of Prisons. I did that for almost six years. After 9-11, jumped over to the Air Marshal Service, and that's where I wrapped things up just uh, just a year ago in October. Uh, I retired out of the Philadelphia field office. Did a lot of moving around. You know, At one point, I was a lead firearms instructor for the entirety of the Federal Air Marshal Service at our training center. So, you know, that's, that's kind of my background. It's shooting and training and, you know, doing the, doing the air marshal thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which gives you a really good perspective on this series of books that you've uh, come out with. You'll be coming out with the third book in this series in April of 2022 on spotting dangers before it spots your teens, which uh, brings us here today about that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, I couldn't be happier with the way everything's turned out with the book series. So, you know, I wrote the first book when I was actually flying still with the Federal Air Marshal Service. And it was, uh, you know, a book, just general nuts and bolts kind of uh, book about situational awareness for common folks, because a lot of people feel like, you know, those are skills that are reserved for, you know, police or military or spies or whatever, you know, and that's just not the case. We all use situational awareness. We do it every day of our lives, whether we know it or not. And, uh, you know, this is something that's just put into a book form so that you have a little bit of perspective on situational awareness and how it affects your day-to-day life when it comes to your personal safety. 
Mm-hmm. Well, the first book was about was uh, your personal um, space yeah. uh, spot and danger. Second one was for your younger kids, and this one being the teens. What is the major difference between what you do with your younger kids and what you do with the teenagers when you're talking about spotting dangers? Well, when it comes to like in the second book, you know, that's for kids between the ages of four and 12 years old. Now, you know, I want to start off by saying that the parent is 100% responsible for their child's safety. Always. That's just how it is. But there are things you can do for your children when they're young to start kind of giving them the foundation they need to build situational awareness as they get older. Things like playing memory memory games or like I spy, things that get them involved with interacting with their environment. And once you learn to do that and once you get buy-in from your children, once they become teenagers, it's a lot easier to get their attention when you set them down and say, hey, listen, you know, we're going to start talking a little bit about situational awareness and how I expect you to act when your mother and I aren't around or, you know, when you're out with your friends. Because When you think about it, you know, those teenage years are basically just a transfer of power. So, you know, the parents are slowly giving up that parental control and allowing their teens to explore their independence. But you want to make sure that that's in a controlled manner and that they're doing and learning the things they need to to keep themselves safe when they're not under your watchful eye. Mm hmm. Yep, definitely. Now you were, you had some of those uh, games for the younger kids. What are what are the things that you some of the things you can do with teenagers to engage them in the process? <clears throat> you know, the biggest thing with teens, as opposed to the younger children, because you know younger kids they love that you know the family game night and the games and stuff mm-hmm. like that interaction. You know they they really enjoy that. Teenagers, on the other hand, are a little bit of a different animal. So. When you set them down and you start talking about a family game night, for, for the most part, for I'm just talking in broad strokes here. I'm not trying to generalize teenagers at all. But the uh, you know, you get a little bit of eye rolling and like really game night, dad. I'm 14, you know, <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's not as cool as it used to be when they were little. So you got to take a different approach. And with teenagers, what I always found was just 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 up in the level of maturity that you have with them and expect the same from them in terms of the way you communicate with each other. So, you know, once my kids got to be 14, 15 years old, especially when they got to the age where they start thinking about dating, driving, those type things, you know, that's when, you know, I started treating them like adults and I will treat you like an adult until you give me a reason not to. So, you know, just that open and honest communication about what you expect from your teenagers, I think is the best way to get buy-in from them. But, you know, on, on the flip side of that, you also have to take what they're saying seriously. So it's really easy for us as parents to look at things from the, you know, we, we have the benefit of hindsight where they don't. So as much as we want to try to preach to them and tell them what they can and can't do, you've got to maintain a little control, but you also have to turn them loose and let them kind of get themselves out there and when you see them doing something that they shouldn't do or they start getting themselves into trouble, that's when you have to start, you know, reapplying that parental oversight and reeling them back in a little bit. But you have to allow them that, you know, that space they need to develop their individuality. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, like when with my kids, I went along and made sure that both my uh, kids knew how to change a tire on a car. 
because Absolutely. you know they need they want that independence to drive a car but yeah. i don't want to get the call at you know 12 o'clock at night saying you know dad i'm a, you know an hour away from you and i got a flat tire you know sure you know because yeah. i want them to be able to know how to change it change it properly you know do those those types of things because um you know if they had to wait for an hour for me to get there that means they've already sat there for you know what 10 minutes, 15 minutes on the side Absolutely. of the road and want, and want them to know what to do, and what not to do, um, you know, at appropriate times. Yeah. You know, I, I talk exactly about that same thing in my book. And, you know, one of the stories that I tell in spotting danger before it spots your teens is when, you know, teaching my kids to change a tire and inevitably as a parent, you're going to get like, you know, especially with my girls, like dad, can I just Google this? If I get a flat tire, <laughs> You can, you can, mm -hmm. you can Google it and you can learn how to change a flat tire. But what Google or YouTube isn't going to teach you is how much force you have to apply to break a lug nut or what it feels like to crack your knuckles when it's, you know, 30 degrees outside on the inside wheel well when you're trying to take your spare off. You know, mm -hmm. you know, there's certain things that only experience can teach you. And that's what you've got to really get your teens to, to understand. And, and, you know, that's, that's one of the big things I talk about in the book is at the end of the day, that's really what teenagers are wanting. You know, they're wanting these life experiences that make them adults. But what you have to teach them as a parent is that some of those life experiences are mundane and they're boring. And those are things that, you know, you have to learn also, as opposed to, you know, the cool grown up stuff, just like driving a car or being able to stay out all night or whatever. You know, you've also got to learn how to handle some of those more uh, mundane adult tasks as well. And changing tire and, uh, and knowing, knowing what to do, you know, the, all those types of uh, things that sometimes kids uh, don't necessarily know, know what to do. Right. What to put in an emergency kit, you know, in your car, things like that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, uh, it's important. It's important. And like I said, you know, the best way to get that across to teenagers is through communication and what they don't learn in communication, they will learn through experience. Mm -hmm. And sometimes as, as, as parents, that's hard to watch because we see that we see that problem coming and we want to do everything we can to jump out in front of it and try to stop it. But at the end of the day, you know, they're not going to be learning anything if they don't get that experience for themselves. Yep. Well, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. yeah. And I, th I think one, th one thing, um, that could probably be used is uh, the news and use it as teachable moments, such as sure. the, um, you know, the, the, uh, expressway, uh, interstate expressway, uh, shutdown there in Virginia to where oh, people yeah. were stuck for 36 hours, go, you know, that, right? that would be a great time to go along and talk about, okay, what's in the emergency kit? What would you do? You know, how would you do it? Because let's put it this way, you could dial 911 all you wanted to they weren't going to be able to get to you. Um, right. and, and the really big thing there is, and some of the stories have come out where other drivers have helped other ones, you know, they've had some food, they've had water, do, th do those types of things. And that's where, you know, how do you go along and judge the right person to, you know, come up to. Right. And that's one of the things that I did with my kids is, you know, a long time ago, I had an old backpack and I put together a, a three day go bag basically that I keep in my vehicle and it's got everything in it, you know, stuff to keep me warm, to start a fire. It's got dehydrated rations, three days worth of water, you know, flashlights, chem lights, road flares, anything I would need for three days. And as my kids are watching me put this together, you know, they're shaking their head like that. Come on. You know, why would you need that? 
Mm-hmm. And then something like that happens and you see all these poor people stuck on the interstate and sub sub freezing temperatures. And you can point to that and be like that right there is why I do that. And I yep. live in Virginia, you know, I'm, that's right up the road. So that could have very easily been us. Well, you, you've got, you know, the winter storms we've had, you know, Hurricane Sandy, you know, in the last 10 yeah. years that have yeah. come through that it's seen, you know, where emergency services have been overwhelmed and you've got to be able to go along and maintain yourself for a couple of days until they can get the power back on until they can get, start getting fresh water running again. you know, all the, all the basic, um, modern necessities as we look, look at it. But, you know, sometimes yeah. everybody forgets, forgets about how easy it is to just turn on the water and turn on the, turn on the lights that it gives us heat and gives us the ability to eat. And, uh, as soon as you take those away, you gotta have something to replace it with and be, be prepared sure. for it. Because when that happens, it's not the time to be going down to Walmart, to try to buy it because, um, exactly. you know, exactly. that's the time everybody else, either Walmart's going to be closed. Everybody yeah. else has already been there. Or, um, you know, you're, you're, you're not going to have any way to get there. I mean, even traveling, you know, five miles in a situation like that would be very tough to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people have this negative view when you say the word prepper, you know, like people think all oh, the, the, you know, the tinfoil hat and some kind of a lunatic that thinks the end of the world's right around the corner. But, you know, preparation isn't a bad thing. You know, being prepared for emergencies is what keeps us alive. And if you can do anything to give yourself a leg up in a situation like that, where, you know, you go to Walmart and the shelves are bare, which is, you know, happening more and more across the country. But, you know, all it takes or society itself is very fragile. You know, there's a very fine line. You think about which, toilet paper last year. Oh, my God. How fragile things were. <laughs> crazy thing in the world, right? When was toilet paper invented? I don't even know, but I know, you know, I know we lived without it at some point in history. So yeah, but, why, but when you go along and saw, saw people buying toilet paper and screaming and yelling and, you know, oh. getting a mint for it, you know, for, you know, per roll, it's just right. like, wow, you know, as a society, we've, we've definitely um, have got some challenges there. Yeah, we used to, uh, you know, we used to build things. We used to be innovative. Now we fight over toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, let's put it. And the, here's one thing, you know, getting philosophical for everybody, you know, it was toilet paper last year, you know, it'll be, you know, beef this year, it'll, it'll sure. be, you know, taco shells next year, you know, who knows, but it's just one of those things to where it's part of modern life that when everybody starts relying on something, soon as something hiccups in the supply chain, you know, hiccups in delivery service, um, that's when all of a sudden it's not going to be available for a certain amount of time. I mean, look, look what's happened, you know, with gasoline from time to time to where, oh, you yeah. know, there's a hurricane and all of a sudden, you know, they got shut down the refineries and people start going crazy. It's like, well, wait a minute. You know, why don't you just think about that and adjust your driving, you know, for a week instead of driving, you know, a thousand miles that week, maybe you need to, you know, just drive a hundred miles. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. So simple ways to get around it. And, uh, you know, we don't, don't have, uh, we don't, we don't, we forget about the, where we came from, you know, how tough it is. Um, I just finished oh, yeah. watching a, a series on the history channel called alone, 10 people set out yeah. in the Arctic for a hundred days. And I'll, I'll tell you what, um, the people, the person who won, uh, and I won't say who it is in case somebody hasn't seen the series yet, (laughs) there you go. But, um, you go, you go along and you realize it's, it wasn't the person who had the most grit at the end. It wasn't the person who, um, you know, you know, had the most knowledge all the time. It was a person who was most prepared 
for it and preparation started on on day one. And that's kind of where I see your books when it comes to spot and danger. It's not somebody who's going to be some uh, ninja black belt that's out out there that can spot all this. It's somebody who started on day one, start thinking about it. So you, so you could spot it before it ever gets close to you. If you change the sides, if you, go to the other side of the street uh, when you start seeing funny business, you know, potential danger and it never happens. Guess what? It's, you'll never have that problem. The problem, yeah. you know, the real problem you have is when you haven't spotted it and you're in the middle of it, because then that's when everything goes, you know, the hell in a handbag very quickly. Absolutely. You know, when it comes to violence, distance is your friend, you know, so the more space you can give yourself to react to a violent encounter, the better off you'll be. No matter what, you know, the, the, you know, the situation may be, you have to have that little bit of buffer. I, in the book, I equate it to like driving. So, you know, you're driving down the road and that's, that's somewhere that we, hopefully everyone's exercising situational awareness every time they get behind the wheel of a car, but you're behind the wheel of a car and you're driving down the road and traffic's a little heavy, but your head's up, hands at 10 and two, and you start seeing brake lights you know, you that now you have you have a pre, you know, a preset response to that. So you take your foot off the gas, you start easing onto the brake, and you come to a stop. You know, there's no accidents or anything mm-hmm. like that. But you know, because you had that situational awareness and you gave yourself that space to react. Now, let's say you're driving on the same road, the same amount of traffic, but your head's in your cell phone because you just got a text that you just can't go five minutes without answering. And you look up and the brakes lights are on, the cars are already stopped. And now you're slamming on your brakes, you go into a skid and you smash into the car in front of you. You know, that lack of awareness took away every bit of space that you had to work within. So when you take that away, you're doing yourself a huge disservice when it comes to your personal safety. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it, it hurts the people behind you, too, because all of a sudden they're rear ending you and, and people behind yeah. you. So it's it's one of those uh, cascading effects. You know, when you're not when you're not doing things and look, thinking about it in a family situation, if the parents mm-hmm. aren't looking out for for danger, then the kids aren't looking out for danger. And you get that uh, chain reaction type of you know accident sure. like you just talked about. And that's why when I wrote these books, you know, I started talking to the publisher about it. And, you know, in the beginning, when I when I first submitted my first manuscript, and we may have talked about this on one of the earlier podcasts, but the the manuscript that I submitted was ridiculously dense. Like it covered everything that relates to self-defense that I could that I that I've accumulated over a 28-year career in federal law enforcement. And when they read that, they're like, well, that's a lot of information. But, you know, the situational awareness piece, that's the part that we find most interesting because YMAA publications, they publish self-defense books primarily. And they said that that was the one thing that was kind of missing in their catalog was was that specific piece that addresses situational awareness and how that affects, you know, your self-defense, no matter what that may be. You could be a black belt in jujitsu. You could carry a gun, you know, whatever. I say in the books, and I say it all the time in my life, you can't fight what you don't see coming. Mm-hmm. You can't effectively fight what you don't see coming. You know, if you're caught off guard, now all of a sudden you're reactionary. But if you give yourself the space and time to identify a problem before it manifests itself, then you're giving yourself the ability to, one, avoid it, if at all possible, or at least escape it or come up with some sort of a plan 
for how you're going to fight that fight, as opposed to trying to figure it out in the, you know, in the heat of the moment. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Here's a, t here's a tough question for you. I don't know if you've got a really good answer for it, but I'll try anyway. What you, suggestions do you have for the parent who has some rebellious teenagers and you know, they're trying to get, trying to get these uh, points across to them and things like that. Any suggestions? Well, you know, I've got three kids of my own and they're all grown now. All three of them are off in the military. And I wouldn't say that any of my children were rebellious, you know, no more than the average teenager. You know, they're always going to do, you know, things where they're kind of pushing the envelope because at that age, they're really trying to answer one question and that's who they are. Mm -hmm. You know, who am I? Where do I fit in society? And, you know, what are more? Who, who is my tribe? Like, who do I fit in with and how do I get there? So you're going to get some of that rebellious behavior. What my wife and I did was we sat the kids down and we spoke to them about this. And we understood because we were teenagers, too. And no matter how many times you try to tell that to your kids, they just don't understand that, that you were once a teenager. And that teenagers then, although the technology is different, the problems were very similar in terms of, you know, some of the things that you deal with. So we sat them down. And like I told you earlier, when we were talking before the podcast, my background is in firearms instruction. So what we did was we kind of approached it from, or at least I approached it from that perspective. So, you know, in the firearms world, you've got the four cardinal rules of firearm safety, right? So we set up cardinal rules in our household that could not be broken. You know, never put yourself in a situation where you could harm yourself or others, you know, I have them all listed out in the book and I can't think of them right off the top of my head, but there were rules and I don't have to be four of them. And we agreed on those rules. You know, if they felt like something was too harsh or something was kind of out of line and would keep them from becoming who they want to be, then we, we would reevaluate that rule and try to try to mold it so that it fit what we needed it to accomplish as parents, but also gave them the freedom they needed to, to establish their own identity and do their own thing. So once those rules were in place and they were agreed upon, you know how when you're on a firing range, you've got the left and right limits. You know, you mm -hmm. don't shoot beyond this point on the left or this point on the right. And we did the same thing. And the left and right limits, you know, were set so that they could independently explore who they wanted to be. But if at any point, we as parents saw they were doing something unsafe or something that could hurt them or someone else, then that's when we would step in. And they knew what those points were. And they knew that when we stepped in, that they've just lost all control. And we're, you know, re-implementing our parental oversight and we're going to take charge of the situation. And you may be on lockdown for a little bit, but, you know, that's, that's just how it's going to be until we can kind of refocus and re-engage and start turning you loose again. But I think one of the biggest mistakes that parents make are not having valid consequences for actions that fall outside of those left and right limits. So, you know, if a kid, cause they're going to push boundaries and mm -hmm. as soon as they push those boundaries and they see that they can get away with it, then next time they're going to push it just a little bit further and a little bit further until at some point something's going to become dangerous. And as a parent, that's your responsibility. You can't let it get to that point. Mm -hmm. and, and to summarize what I heard you, you've got to have a consistent model for what you, how you bring the kids up so that when you go, they do get to the rebellious teenage years and such, they still know what the limits are 
and you know they can do this self-discovery and do those type of activities but they still understand you know that you're still there for them and when you start talking to them about the dangers of being out driving you know themselves of being out with friends of uh being on dates those those types of things they um they they know where the limits are and yeah uh, you know, that's that's a that's, that's a good thing yeah i mean you know just like any parent uh, you know we've gotten those late night phone calls where hey you know i'm in trouble i need you to come and get me and we always told our kids that if that ever happened like they were in a situation they felt like they couldn't get out of that they could call us and we're not going to we're not going to grill you over the phone you tell us where you're at we'll come and get you and you know no matter what the circumstances were unless there's an active violent situation where they're in danger you know i'll just come get you i'll put you in the car we'll take you home i'm not going to lecture you i'm not going to grill you we'll both wait because i'm a little hot tempered myself i got three red headed kids who are crazy hot tempered <laughs> right and mm-hmm. uh you know the deal was it will you know we'll talk about this when everything calms down and cooler heads can prevail and and we'll you know we'll talk about it like adults so you know you want to make adult mistakes you know we're going to have to have adult conversations about it and those were you know those were some those were some tough conversations to have but you know it's it's something that each parent is going to have to face and how they deal with it is up to them but it's not something you can just stick your head in the sand and ignore and be like well my kids would never they would never do anything like that right so as soon as you start telling yourself that story you're already behind the eight ball so definitely well gary really appreciate your time uh today to talk about your new book coming out um we've been asking all our guests this year um about an influential mentor who has uh, influenced you to who you are today um so yeah. do, you, do you have one in mind Gosh, yeah, there's there's a ton of them actually, but you know, in in keeping with the theme that we're speaking about the books right now, I will say that my first book, Spotting Danger Before It Spots You, the forward for that book was written by Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, and I'm sure most of your listeners will know who Dave Grossman is. He wrote the books on combat and on killing. So, you know, I I just I've watched all of his videos and lectures and stuff on YouTube, and I've read all of his books. If you work in law enforcement or you're in the military, that's pretty much mandatory reading, in my opinion. And a lot of people, you know, put that on their reading lists and stuff like that for for their employees. They want them to read these books, gain this knowledge. But anyway, I knew who he was, and I ran into him in Dallas, Texas at the NRA show several years back. And I couldn't let him walk past without saying hello. So I stopped him and we talked for a minute. Super friendly guy, just mm-hmm. so welcoming and, and personable. And at the end of the conversation, you know, he gave me his business card and he said, if there's anything, you know, I can ever do for you, just shoot me an email or give me a call. Let me know. So, you know, two years later, over two years later, I write this book and the publisher is like, do you have anybody in mind that would possibly write a forward? So I called him up and, you know, asked him if he would be willing to do it. And he didn't agree to it right away because he don't want to put his name on just anything. Mm-hmm. So he's like, send me the manuscript. Let me give it a read. And if, you know, it's something that I think I can get behind, then I'll write the forward for you. And, uh, you know, he really liked the book and he wrote the forward and we still keep in touch to this day. And anytime I have questions about, you know, speaking engagements or, or uh, you know, just just kind of the industry stuff that he does, and that I'm trying to get into now. He's he's so helpful and so incredibly patient, and just just a good human being. So mm-hmm. I'd say right now, you know, Dave Grossman would be the mentor that I would point to. That you know, this is uh, 
you know, these books, these books, that, especially the first book that he did the forward for is where it's at because, you know, that it had that weight and credibility that he lands just by putting his name on the forward. Yeah, we had uh, Dave on in episode 58 back in uh, March of 2020 and ah, uh, psychological okay. effects. And uh, yeah. there's a lot of good information there. A lot of good information uh, Dave brings to the brings to the conversation, say the least. I mean, he's got a lot of history behind him. Um, yeah. You know, research he's done. Plus, he's a very good speaker. Um, oh, he's you know, when, when got it comes a lot to of that. knowledge. Yep, exactly. And anybody who's got a chance to go and see Dave speak, I would highly recommend because he's always oh. got good stuff to uh, talk about, and he knows knows the information inside and out. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think, I don't think there's, there's a better, you know, expert in that field than, than him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Gary, where can uh, people find more out about your books and what, um, what classes you're, you're teaching and such around the country? Okay. Well, uh, I've got a website, which is just garyquestenberry.com. And then there are links on the website to the books you can order uh, book one, Spotting Danger Before It Spots You. And I've got the first two right here, Spotting Danger Before It Spots You. You can get that one on uh, Amazon or anywhere books are sold. You can get them on the YMAA website, uh, Spotting Danger Before It Spots Your Kids. That's book two in the series. And then, like we said earlier, book three comes out uh, April the 1st of this year, Spotting Danger Before It Spots Your Teens. Mm-hmm. But that that website, GaryQuestenberry.com, is pretty much the hub for everything. So if you go there, you can, you know, you can send me an email if you want to, you know, like if anybody ever wanted to put together a class for uh, situational awareness for their employees or a group of instructors or whatever they want, they can just message me on that website. Uh, all of my contact information is on there and we can, we can set something up. So that's, you know, that's my goal now in retirement, since I've retired for the federal air marshal service is to take the show on the road, teach some situational awareness classes and, like we talked about earlier, from time to time, jump in on a firearms course and teach that to keep those instruction skills sharp and just uh, do as much as I can. I like, you know, I'm retired, but I still like to stay busy. Yep, I understand that. And I would go along, put one plug out there. Um, I know it's after Christmas, but you got birthdays this year. And I know last year I went along and had got both of Gary's uh, second books and gave them to my kids. So they had them to go along and talk to their kids about. And it's uh, it's a great resource uh, for them to have. And as young parents to start having uh, those conversations with, with their kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you for your time, Gary, and have a good one. Hey, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. That's a wrap for this episode. We want to announce this week's weekly prize giveaway. This week's winner is Alex R., who won a Pitbull Technical Magazine Carrier. Next week's prize is a pack of 9mm dummy rounds. Visit podcast.concealedcarry.com to enter in for our weekly prize giveaway. Remember to enter in each week as your entries do not carry over from week to week. Remember to subscribe to our podcast. And also share it with your friends. You can search our podcast for topics at firearmtrainerpodcast.com. Send us your feedback and suggestions for new episodes at FTP at concealedcarry.com. Visit our sponsors, especially the Firearms Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. Being a responsible instructor means having insurance coverage. Remember to use promo code FTP10 for 10% off at checkout. We bring his podcast, support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. 
Stay safe, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.